Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought about it, i tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Now, also, if you are interested in the five questions and would like to answer them yourself, do check out the resources tab at the website because the five questions is available as a workbook and an ebook. And if you want to know why that's important, check out the end of the podcast or go and check out the resources tab at the website. That's enough for me. Let's get on with the program. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything, because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? Even at a young age, I had various small little entrepreneurial ventures and, uh, you know, those were sparked on by my family and uh, did my degree. And even in uni, when I graduated, I saw everybody else lining up. 60, 70, 80 people deep to get these junior positions at companies. And I said, that's just not for me. So uh, immediately I, I went out on my own at that point in time. And I've been there ever since. If you want to leave a better world, you need to be a leader. My guest on the podcast is convinced that it is small business that will change the world. As a leader of an SME, you have the power to make a difference. This show is the first in a season on leadership and today we're looking at the small business and what people get wrong and how they should start. What is interesting about this week's guest is that he's never held down the job in his life. When Mark Canty was seven, his father left a high-level corporate career and bought a marine business. His father was the role model that set him on a path for life. As a child, he encouraged, encouraged by his family, he had numerous little business projects. On completing high school, he went to college and did the business studies. On leaving that, he was faced with a choice. He followed the family example and opened his own marine dealership. And over the next couple of years, he grew it into several million dollars with a couple of sites. And then he lost the lot as the economy turned, but he was able to close that business paying all of his debts without going into bankruptcy. We get to hear about all those mistakes and that journey that took him there. It was about this time that he had a serious car accident that put him into hospital and in intensive care and it had him reevaluate all of those life choices and what was important. He went on to have numerous business adventures and became a business coach at a time when coaching meant teaching football or sorting it in your tennis serve. Mark's entrepreneurial prowess has spans 40 years he has created and launched and sold numerous businesses in various industries. And as a business strategy coach and consultant, he's transitioned exclusively to the online services in 2005. And he's been thriving as an expert in the online coaching space ever since. So let's join the conversation with Mark Canty. This is Life, Passion and Business. And we're all about this exploration of the journey of life and how it all starts for us. So where did it yes. begin for you? Uh, really, it began for me at a fairly early age. When I was seven years old, my father chose to leave a corporate career hmm. as a high-level executive in an international corporation, quit and bought a small business, a marine business in cottage country north of the city of Toronto. And that began my upbringing in a, in a family business. So yeah, uh, from that age, I really got this sense of control, I guess, of having power over one's life, as opposed to having um, showing up, if you will, uh, at, at the beck and call of someone else. So from a young age, I kind of had that instilled in me. So as that went, as I went through and even at a young age, I had various small little entrepreneurial ventures and, uh, you know, those were sparked on by my family and, uh, 
did my degree and even in uni when I graduated, I saw everybody else lining up 60, 70, 80 people deep to get these junior positions at companies. And I said, that's just not for me. So uh, immediately I, I went out on my own at that point in time and I've been there ever since. But you never, never took a job. You, you never went to the man and got paid by someone. Uh, no, I did not. I wow, did that, not. Is un- that is actually quite unusual. It is. It is. And and the people that I work with, in, in most cases, people come to this, they call it an awakening or, or you know, a flash or something that comes to them that says, uh, there's something more to me in terms of that I have to give to the world and that I, I want to create something on my own. And so they usually come from, you know, this idea where they've developed skill, perhaps even mastery, expertise in a certain area and say, it's time for me to give that to the world and, and mm. they have this awakening so they come with that that background of having been uh, an employee or in a so job going back to your childhood this thing when you were kind of seven or eight did you always want to be in business is that it was that what you your dream was to be to be like that no no i had various i mean as i was growing up i i recall I was into drawing, I was into a little bit of acting and such. So there were different paths that I, I definitely was passionate about and interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point in time, I thought maybe I would be an architect, um, another maybe an actor or a performer. I can see you as an actor. I, I, you've got the cut for an actor. I can see you as an actor. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> My audience won't, won't, won't obviously be, well, obviously this is audio, but so you'll just have to look at his picture and you can see what I mean. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, what did you study at college? Uh, I did study business. Okay. Uh, it seemed to be the, the make the most sense to me. I, I grew up in business. I grew up in a small family business and, and really, you know, became more and more passionate about it as I went on. But even in my years in, in, in uni, I was um, into writing. I used to write very good papers and uh, almost went into writing, uh, business writing in particular. I would have been uh, writing more in that specific category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a short story man, then? No. no. <laughs> Something I'd like to explore, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, that, you know, that journey, I mean, you, you've covered that journey very, very quickly. I mean, there, I mean you, there must have been highs and lows in that process. There are always highs and lows, as in life. And yeah. um, the, definitely, I, um, one of my early businesses, I took very rapidly to a million dollars, one of my first businesses out of university, um, in a very short period of time, in, in less than a couple of years. And uh, and then had everything fall out underneath me the following year and lost everything. Um, was able to close that business down and pay my debts to people, small businesses that I dealt with, and and lost everything. But came very close to having to declare bankruptcy, but did not. What was the, what was the business? That. What were you doing? That was in I was in the marine business. I had a marine dealership, mm-hmm. so I was uh, selling boats and also had. Uh, built it into a two-location enterprise, so there was a, a dealership that was what would be called a dry land marina, mm-hmm. and then I also had a wet dealership, which was on the water, where we serviced boats and and moored boats and did things like that. So, uh, and that all came crashing down very very quickly. Well, what what would cause that? I would have thought if, if the boat industry, I would have thought would always be would always be buoyant because sorry the pun didn't mean the pun. Sorry about that. Pardon I apologize. I apologize for that. It's horrible. Uh, yes. I, I thought it would always be you know end of the day if you got a boat you got money <laughs> you're not going to get yes. away with it are you? <laughs> so at this time there was a blip in the economy. So okay. this was in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuel prices went up and we went into a recession mm-hmm. and that industry is very sensitive to that. So both the recreational vehicle industry and as a whole, so caravans, RVs, things like that, um, as well as the marine business, pleasure craft boats, mm. both took a major hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. This I, is in I, Canada, I, isn't at it? At the time, I think I heard it said that 70 or 80% of, of the uh, business went was lost in in within a matter of a year or two it regained itself over the following years but it, it was that devastating 
Wow. So I guess, yes, whoever had enough, whoever had the maximum amount of cash were the ones that could ride it out, ride out the storm, I guess. Yes. Those who had, had exactly that. What did you learn from that experience? Uh, what did I learn? Um, I learned a number of things. One of the things I learned was to be, um, cautious of, of, Riding the wave in a sense of of having success, seeing things, for example, and I'll give you a practical example of this. At the time, I'd sort of whittled things down and become very well known and become one of the top um, sellers of a particular brand. Hmm. So 80% of our income was reliant on us being known as one of these top 10 dealers in the nation for this particular brand. And that brand went bankrupt. Ouch. Yeah, that that would hit you, wouldn't it? That would hurt. So that hit very hard. Mm. And at the same time, interest rates skyrocketed. I had over half a million dollars of, of inventory at 18, 19% interest of a bankrupt product that nobody wanted to touch. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Not a lot of, so not a lot of the value. The lesson from that was, was not so much the idea of, of there's certain benefits of being exclusive, of taking on a, um, a particular brand, or in the case of marketing, being very niche-focused. The lesson from it is not to not do that, not to go wide and try and please everybody. The lesson from it was always to be looking to the future and seeing where the trends are. And, and kind of like a SWOT analysis, mm. looking at the strengths, the opportunities, the weaknesses, and the threats. Mm. So these are things that we often, when things are going well, and from in my case, I was young, fresh out of, out of university. Um, I was focusing on the strengths and the opportunities, but I, was, but I was failing to pay as much attention to the weaknesses or the threats that could be coming. Yeah. At that age, we're invincible, though, aren't we? We, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> In our in my early twenties, invincible, top of the world, peak performer. Um, so, what other business did you operate? What was what was the next one on the on the on the trail? Uh, so, I my journey from there was I attracted um, a very well known consulting firm, a training and consulting firm that saw the way I wound up while everybody else was going bankrupt, willy nilly all over the place. Um, I managed to take my business and close it with a level of integrity and reputation. Mm, that's yes. And that's, yes. I caught the attention of, of um, a leading company, the industry leader at the time and said, and they actually invited me, the, the owner, the president CEO invited me to come and fly and visit with him because he really thought that the way I handled things was unique. Uh, and that is when I started into the consulting speaking seminar facilitation arena, helping other businesses very young at the time. But because I had had this experience, um, he wanted me on his team. So I went to work for him as a consultant, as an independent consultant. I wasn't an employee of the company. Uh, and I traveled and visited with other businesses who were struggling um, and trying to deal with some of the things that I was dealing with. So that was that was my first kind of, that's when I hung out my shingle, if you will, and became a consultant. And that morphed through my own education, through my own lifelong learning journey of becoming a coach as well. So consulting and coaching. At the time, I was also doing seminar facilitation for small groups and also public speaking to larger groups. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of my, and that's always been my career since that time. Uh, and in that time, I've had other businesses. I, um, have at one point in time had five different businesses on the go. Um, so got into, had a health club business, got into the women's fitness business. Um, also was importing um, health products from overseas and distributing those, had that business going. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else I've had my that's a, lot, that's a lot of different tax returns, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of business. That's a lot of things to keep, to keep balls in the air, to have five different yes. projects rolling. Yes, yes. Um, and a number of other businesses as well. And and part of my upbringing and then my my education over the years was to realize that it didn't matter. Oh, I was in the in the chiropractic business, not as a chiropractor, but as a, you know, as someone running the business. 
Um, and I don't know, a long list. I don't have my list up, but well, you they, know, but it's interesting to hear the variety of stuff because it's like you know, yes. as, as a as as a, as a strategic business coach, the fact that you have got your hands dirty in this makes you very different to a lot of business coaches I've met. Yes, I meet a lot of business coaches that never touched the business in their life. They've 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 come out of college and they've gone straight into in, they've gone to work for a large accountancy firm and and that's that's it that's their entire yes um, experience and and yes. all right to be fair they've been in and out of other people's businesses and they've got to see it from the other side but they haven't had to make the the shit decisions that someone sitting there who's really having to make a decision yes. that means people's livelihoods their own house or those bits and pieces they haven't had yes. to make those decisions whereas exactly. i'm sure i'm and sure you have yeah and and also what comes with that is the all taking stripping away all of the expertise the MBAs the accolades everything else is when you're in that position it's the visceral emotional and physical manifestation of that that you have to go through that you can't do unless you've actually experienced it. Hmm. Yeah. And, and the other theme for me from that was going through various businesses. Oh, I was in real estate, land development. Um, and in all of them, you know, managed to achieve peak performance very quickly. And the reason for that, I believe, was because twofold. One is I was able to come in with without preconceived notions. Without, oh, this is the way we do things around here. But to say to look at things from a different lens and the other thing was to realize the variety of experiences I've had is that there are common core truths and foundational elements that are strategic to every business. Mm. doesn't matter what industry you're in. And, yeah. and that's one of the common weaknesses of most businesses is they think they're different. They think it doesn't apply to me. Yeah, that's what Dan, Dan Kennedy said, isn't he? Yeah, and it does. applies to every... Yeah, Dan Kennedy used to say, everyone's come up to him, but what about my business? You know, it's the same. They're all the same. There's no difference. <laughs> Exactly. There's there are fundamental truths that yeah. apply to every business. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, I mean, have you have you now got rid of all those businesses? Are you now now just just a coach yourself, and you you've got rid yes. of everything? Yes. So I've focused exclusively on really since I would say, I mean, I became in an independent coach consultant, if you will, back in the nineties. Yeah. So I've always been doing that and then and then been involved in various projects over the years, um, probably around, I, I'm going to say a decade ago. I, I haven't really been involved in any other projects other than really focusing on coaching, strategic coaching and helping, hmm. um, helping particularly coaches and consultants to take their expertise and then build a business that will serve that. Hmm. Uh, so that's that's what I've been doing. So what school. keeps you passionate then? What keeps me passionate is I would I would say pain. And well, that's not that's not a good idea. Well, <laughs> the, who's pain? <laughs> the pain I see people in. Yeah, I know. Um, and and struggling to um to believe in themselves, mm. to to love themselves, to appreciate all of the talents and skills that they've accumulated throughout their life when the whole world is telling them they're nothing, mm. um, particularly with social media, is, you know, people are, con there's, a, there's a great little children's book called The Nibble Theory. And, and this idea that we're constantly being nibbled at. So to me, what what keeps me going is is the pain that people are going through and being able to help them through that, help them feel better, help them realize that they have something to give and that they don't need to settle. They mm. don't need to live life. I have a kind of a philosophy and a metaphor to this is that most people, particularly if they're in a job that they hate, and we know that over 80% of the population are in jobs that they hate is like, like a flat line on a, on a cardio graph mm. and that life comes from following the sinus rhythm mm. and that it's like when somebody has that awakening that maybe I have something to give, maybe I can, you know, give to the world and create my own business. It's like the paddles hitting and that sinus rhythm starting again. 
And it's also very metaphorical in that you're going to experience highs and you're going to experience lows. But it's through the depth of our lows, I call it through the through the depth of our pain, through the depth of our sorrow and grief, is the only way to experience the height of ecstasy and joy yeah. and fulfillment. I, I so if we're it, flatlining all the time, we're just kind of going through the motions. I call it living life in all of its color. Because that's to me what it's about, really, isn't it? It's about living life yes. in all of its color. And and some of those colors are a bit hard to take, but yeah, you know, but but as you say. You know, you, you don't have bright sunny days without you know, without the night. You know, the, you know, the, you know, the exactly. Day follows so the night. learning to accept that and and appreciate mm -hmm. that as the joy of life is yeah. is those experiences. Yeah. Um. And that and so this awakening, this concept. My company's called Release Dynamics, and it comes from me from way back in those days. Mm. I think when I was twenty two or something. I I um this idea of release, and it's to help people release the potential that is within them and we all have it hmm. well we'll come so, to that in a minute let's, let's carry on that question thing and we'll get to more about release dynamics when we get to the next stage yeah so, i just want to plant that yeah, i know i know you do and i'm, I'm pleased you planted it because now i know yeah. the name of it and i can we can come straight back to it so let's look at success for you i mean obviously when you were in your Teen, not a teen. Well, you're as a young man in business. Success actually meant growing this business, and you actually achieved something with this. And success does obviously mean profit, and it needs to mean something else. So, where do you? How do you measure success for yourself? Um, a quick story that will make sense is when I was twenty-three years old, twenty-two years old. I have to do the math in my head very quickly now. I was about 22, 23 years old. I was in a very bad automobile crash. Mm. Um, I was almost killed. My my face was crushed. My jaw was broken. My my lung was collapsed and crushed. Wow. My legs were both shattered. And I woke up in ICU on a on a ventilator, and I was in intensive care for three weeks. Prior to that, I was on this business bandwagon i was an obnoxious son of a bitch to be perfectly frank you know i just this driven egomaniac uh and had already achieved some success in in my young age that was a real significant that was a significant emotional event for me that changed my definition of success not that i ever had one other than it was being big making money <laughs> and uh, as a result, I shifted and started to really think about the entirety of life and and perhaps what success, and I don't even think I had a label for it at that time, meant. Um, so became more of a student of what, of philosophy, of what people were saying about success and how that fit into business hmm. and, and brought me, made me even more passionate about small business, about having a business for oneself. There's nothing, there's nothing like a touch of mortality to bring reality to, to, to the sense, is there? A bit, a bit of mortality when you realize that we are mortal, then it's like, hmm, maybe there yes. is more to this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's this this idea. And, and the other side of that to me was there's more in me to come out. Mm. Selling boats and being, a, you know, the boat guy and making a ton of money doing that was not what I was put on earth for. I mean, that was not something that I wanted to have on mm. my... Uh, tombstone or you know on my epitaph you know that that was not my purpose if you will um, one of our podcast guests did was a did a billion dollars in legal in legal drugs before he was 20 billion dollars in, dr in legal drugs wow you know and it's like you know he, he you know trying to get any meaning in his life was just you know i, I mean the government went, no, 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 you can't do this. And they, t they took it all away. But, you know, it, but, you know, but, you know, he, he had to reevaluate life after that one. You know, like you go up and you can fall down, don't you? It's like, yeah. It exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I've always collected. I've, I, I kind of have a little booklet, if you will, you know, that I have. It's some digital now, of course, but just quotes from success and things that really resonated with me. Mm. Um, I won't, I won't drag things out by reading all of them or anything but i will what, I'd like what's, to share a, what's, with one, you. what's one that really sticks out for you yeah this is this is one that i'd really because i think it encapsulates for me and has been with me for a long long time and it and it's emerson it, it's what mm. emerson wrote about success so ralph waldo emerson wrote mm. to laugh often and much 
to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patched, or a redeemed social condition, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. Wow, nice. You obviously keep that with you, so that's obviously valuable to you. Yes. Yeah, that's nice. Yes. So it's a reminder, it's an anchor <laughs> to come mm. back to for me. Mm. is, uh, you know, those, those powerful words. Mm. So let's move on to contribution. How do you see your contribution in the world? I think we kind of alluded to this. I talked about it, but essentially helping people, um, mm. you know, my clients first and foremost, and, you know, people come, oh, you know, this guy's going to help me, you know, make money with my business. But really, you know, here's the, the spoiler alert is, you know, I'm going to start by going deep and helping you reclaim your self-esteem and realize that it's not an external thing. You, you, you're not going to achieve anything by trying to please somebody else or measure yourself by by an external monitor like money or anything else, but that it's going deep and learning to love and accept yourself and all of the, the personal history you've got, not to judge it as good or bad, but to realize that it's what brought you to this point in life and that you can learn from that and that you can help others with that. That is the foundational part of, of my contribution is helping people do that. And as, as a result of that exercise to release their potential bit by bit, all the potential that lies and it's never ending. No. no indeed. So it's a perpetual process of discovery of one's potential and releasing it to the world by serving others yeah, yeah. in a small business context. So I'm not a corporate guy. I'm, you know, I obviously I shared that before. I'm, I, I don't believe, as a matter of fact, I believe a lot of our ills and challenges in the world are a result of large organizations and in particular corporations. Um, but I am passionate about small business. And I believe that's, that's really the most democratic way of running an economy is by having a whole bunch of voices contributing in their own way. Mm. Yeah. yeah. A little Ch change block. comes change comes from those people because there they are they are the backbone. We will get to that in a minute because there's lots to talk about there. So what about yes. the contribution to yourself? Great question. The contribution to myself would be peace of mind, knowing that, you know, I've done my best. Um but this also probably the biggest joy for me comes when when I leave a conversation or whatever and somebody feels a little bit better about themselves mm. but uh, contribution to the self is what do you do for yourself that's the key isn't it really i can see i can see behind you have a guitar so you're obviously a musician well i i have one of those that. two that's out of sight as well <laughs> yes i can't claim that as but i'm a passion passionate about music i love my music yeah, yeah yeah yeah. i mean for me it's running I, I running and, and yoga and stuff the things that i do that i know that i if i don't do them i know my head starts to go so i have to i have to look after my head because when i look after my head everything else stays in order yes I and and that would be greater for me. Music is part of that, but meditation, yoga, but the body recognizing and understanding that you know this thing up here is an organ within this. Mm. And to the degree we take, as you know, well know, the degree to which we take care of this and nurture it and start our day that way is is the way that we get this functioning at peak performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So moving on to the, my final question before we move into the kind of the, the, the big subjects is, is what do you what do you what is meaning for you? Because, you know, some people, you know, you know, what's it all for? Why are we doing all this? That's a great question. I, I believe it kind of comes back to, you know, what Emerson said is that, you know, this idea of leaving the world a little bit better. Hmm. So to move out of oneself to transcend we're getting very philosophical here for oh, we're supposed dialogue, to this is, this is all about <laughs> yeah it, it, it's what it's it, it's about but leaving the world you know even a little bit better because we existed really isn't that what it's all about 
isn't that what brings meaning to life is mm. leaving one person, one individual, whatever it happens to be. What's it for um, you? For me, that's it. I mean, if, if I, when I get, you know, if a client says to me, not, oh, thanks so much, I'm, I've made money or I've done this with my business, but says, wow, I, I learned something about myself hmm. and you've changed me in some way and I have a different outlook. To me, that's, that's meaning. I think when it came home to me, actually, and, and I think it's come home to a lot of people I've spoken to over the years, is that... You know, we, we get into this process of work and we work and we have a label. So yes. you are, you are a this, I am, I am, you know, at the time I was a marketing man and, and, I, and I had a label. And then once I left that industry and took the label off, then the question is, what am I? Who am I? Yes. And, and I'm not my business. I am Paul Harvey. Yes. So, so that, and it's those, it's those questions that people do. I, I, I always find people struggle with. And when you can actually define meaning for yourself, it does make a difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's foundational as well. It's an interesting topic because it's also foundational. And one of the things, again, spoiler alert, when I work with people, I spend a lot of time in the very beginning of, of discussing these things. Mm, so do I. We have to establish those baselines of meaning of belief of, of where we come from mm. and where we're going before we can ever create something, you know, that has value to the world. Mm -hmm. So thank you for those questions. Thank you for answering those things. So, so candidly, it's been lovely to have those conversations. So obviously you've got this, this project now that you operate this strategic business coach. And, and I was particularly interested in, from the perspective of leadership, because I think leadership is a, is a skill that we are desperate for in this in this world at the moment because our politicians aren't leading us particularly well. Uh, so I think it's going to be down to business to lead us to in, into the better place that we need to be. You say about leaving the world a better place. Well, politics is not doing that at the moment in any country. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be down to us, individuals and businesses, to do something about it. Yes. Yes. I agree. And I think um, I would also lump a lot of corporate irresponsibility involved with politicians as well <laughs> in terms of Well, I, I, I do feel for not... corporate. I do feel for the corporate world because they do have a bit of, you know, they land themselves into the corporate world. Now, I've got this fantastic corporate job. And then there's a rule book about how they have to operate. Yes. They, they have no freedom, no personal freedom. Whether yes. they disagree with this or not, the only option is to do the work or leave. Yes. Trash the yeah. planet or leave. Yeah. Cut this forest down or leave. You know, there are no rules there. You know, the rules are shareholder value. Yep. And profit. Yep. Nothing else matters. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I laugh yes. and chuckle. I say, it's not funny really, but you know, that's. No, it's not. And I, and I think this is where one, you know, kind of has to, and for me personally, look at your path and figure out where, where can you contribute now? Mm someone might say, I'm very smart. I'm very articulate. I can bang through an MBA course and, you know, or, or get my MBA in three months and I'm going to climb the corporate ladder and I'm going to, I'm going to run that company one day and I'm going to, you know, turn things around. Um, or somebody might say, I'm going to run for politics, right? I'm going to run and, and be a leader in that regard, but finding your path. And I think, the vast majority of people, obviously, in the world are not, the card, the deck is stacked against them in terms of achieving those levels of leadership, even from a self-esteem and a belief standpoint. Hmm. So this is where the idea of, of a small business can, having your own business, can actually allow you to achieve that, to have a contribution and make an impact on that part of your world. And it's that idea of leaving the world a bit better. And I like that idea, mm. a bit better. Mm. Yes, we need, you know, we need people who are going at things and looking at things in a very big way. Uh, but if we have a whole bunch of people that are looking at a bit better, then we're probably going to be much bigger than the one individual who's trying to do it in a big way. Yes, yes. If if yes. if a hundred percent of people do you know do eighty percent of what's needed, it's much better than just one person doing it all, isn't it? That's absolutely right. Yeah, and I and I think the the idea of 
creation and innovation. So when we, and this is where most business people get into trouble, particularly in the digital age, because everybody's wanting, oh, it's easy. You know, I've got this computer. I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to, people that have a formal education, but never, have never even run a business before, all of a sudden they see this allure, they're getting bombarded with how easy it is, you know, to start your own business. No cost, don't have to invest any money, just take your computer and you're going to be rich overnight. And the focus is on replacing their job, typically. So all they're really looking at, without thinking about it, is they're changing the label, but they're really still on the same path of just trying to create another job for themselves. Yeah. Instead yeah. of looking at the business itself as the creation. Mm. So instead of creating a job for myself is what am I creating that's going to serve others? Because here's the reality. You can be as selfish as you want, but even the most selfish, greedy son of a bitch on the planet in business is not going to turn a profit, is not going to be have any level of success until he serves others. Yeah. Because they're not going to buy what he's offering, right? And it's quite difficult for that mindset, isn't it? It's particularly if you're if you're delivering a service. When you're selling a product, a particular yes. product, widget, what have you, you can model that in terms of a of a of a, of a business. It has a it has a well, in my head, it has a logic to it. But when you're yeah, selling to a, a degree, to a degree, I don't necessarily look at the two as being that no, you have to prioritize. You have to prioritize the service, don't you? You have to make the service into a product. But yeah, you have to turn. Both yeah. are inevitably serving someone. Both yeah. are satisfying a desire. Yeah. So, to the degree we look at the world and we say, "There's lots." Everybody is in conflict at various stages of conflict, from the moment we're born till the moment we die. Mm -hmm. And the conflict is one of two things. It's either I want something and I don't know how to get it, I can't get it. Or I have a problem that's impacting me some way and I need to solve that problem. Mm. It boils down to those two things. So if we're in business and we have a product that can solve the problem or help somebody get to what they want, then they'll buy our product. Yes. If we have a service that can help someone get what they want or solve a problem, then we're also in business. I mean, all right. The analogy I would put to it that is, you know, you've got a a gas fitter who serves his time with a large gas fitting company, and yes. he gets sick of putting boilers in for this company because he only gets paid the same amount of money with, and he can see the fact that it it costs seven grand to put a boiler in, and thinks, well, hang on, it, I'll have some of that. So he leaves sure. his he leaves the gas fitting company, and goes and tries and sells boiler fittings for seven grand. And he finds it a very different experience. Yes. Well, typically his first thing, that's a, that's a great example. His first thing will be, well, they, if they can do it for seven, surely I can do it and, and, and do it for seven and only pay me $10 or whatever, yeah, 10 pounds, whatever yeah. it happens to be. Surely I can do it for less than seven. That's usually where the mind goes. So I'll go out and I'll compete instead of for seven, I'll charge five. Mm. and then I'll be able to keep all that for myself. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that's the path of destruction of, of, you know, that many go down is they, they've tried to create a job for themselves. Yes, basically. Yeah. Instead of pausing and going, well, what is it that this company was doing? What was it satisfying in the marketplace when people were hiring them to do gas fitting? What was it? Why did they hire them? And what were they not doing? What were they not satisfying? Why were people settling for them? And how can I improve upon that? Mm. So let's keep a really simple example. Well, the company I worked for, when somebody called in and said, I need a gas fitter to come and hook up my new furnace, the company would say, that's great. We've got a three-week backlog. And we can come out and do it in three weeks. So that budding entrepreneur could look at it differently and say, gee, a lot of people are lining up and they're quite upset about this, but they have no choice. They have to wait. What if I could figure out a way to do it faster? Hmm. So that could be his unique. You're not doing anything different. 
not doing anything different than he did in his job, but now he's offering them something that they want, which is faster speed. Hmm. So now he could become, hey, you know where everybody else tells you the minimum time to get a furnace installed is three weeks? I'm the first one in London that is going to tell everyone I will get it done in three days. Which, so will work, which will work until need, he gets right? busy. <laughs> yeah. But then he, but part of his model will be how can I continually fulfill on that promise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where creating a business as opposed to creating a job comes in. Because if he creates the job, you're right. Within a couple of weeks, he'll be the same. He'll be saying, sorry, I've got a three-week wait. His business fails, gone, disappears. Yeah. But if he looks at it as a business, as a creation of itself, the creation of the business is a business that can do gas fitting in three days guaranteed. Then what does he need to do to make sure that that promise to the customer is always fulfilled upon? How does he create an organization that can do that? So who is it that you think is your best people to work with? Who is it that you support so well? I work with coaches. Okay. So I, I work with coaches. Typically, the people I work with are those professionals. They're usually a little older. Um, most of the people I work with are 40 plus. And they typically come out of a career profession. They've either left it on purpose or they're thinking of leaving it because they've had that awakening. They think, mm. I, I really, I've, I've got an amazing story to share. I've got great life experience and everything, and I'd like to do it on my own. I don't want to be part of this big organization anymore where I kind of get lost in the sea. I, I want to do something on my own. Hmm. So I work with coaches. Um, most of the clients that I have are typically women. I tend to attract women. That's because you look so good looking. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sorry, I, I had to say that the door was open. <laughs> you know what I think it is? I think for me personally, the reason that I attract women am, and am attracted to them is I, I do find that women are more open. They're more. Yeah, I think I think actual fact that women are better at that role. That's what it's about. Yes. I think that's what it's yeah. about. I think and women we, also women have a way of being able to deliver something different to men. Yes. And they have an ability to empathize and mm. to connect. They, we need a lot more female yeah. business leaders. We need a lot more female corporate leaders. Absolutely. We need a lot more women in government because yeah. they, they have that. The other thing that I, that I really love about working with women and women in, in general is the fact that they haven't lost, which men, many men have, their ability to tune into their intuition. And they're, they're listening to that inner voice. And so many men have shut that down. We all have it. doesn't matter what sex you are. We all have it. But men through ego, through all of the different things that, that have entrapped men over the years, make it more difficult to break through and to get to that. Can they get there? Yes. Um, so maybe I'm taking the path of least resistance. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm saying... I, I work with female coaches generally. Yeah. Yep. And they've typically... They've, they've been in that position where they've gone into this thinking, you know, maybe this is going to be easy or I can do this, but they don't have the business skill set. So what would you say is, you know, the 101 to start? If someone in, in that position who is basically considering getting out of corporate to go and be or, or a position, considering stepping out, putting their shingle outside, what's, the, what's, what's 101? What's the first thing they should do? The first thing would be, and I, I love your questions, it's your first question, is what are you passionate about? Mm. So we, we can only <laughs> serve to the degree that we have passion about something and that we have, we have personal history around that. I'll give you an example, a brief little story from years ago. So a fellow I was, was looking at working with me and he came to me, I'm struggling. I'm having a challenge. He says, what are you doing? You know, what are you trying to do? He says, well, I want, I'm, I'm trying to work with doctors, dentists in particular. I said, great. That's fantastic. Why do you want to work with dentists? Because they have money. Oh, okay. Why else? Well, they typically can't get everything done. You know, they, you know, they, they, they need to practice dentistry in order to make money. So there's lots of holes and gaps in their business and everything. I said, that's, that's great. So, 
tell me, what does dentistry mean to you? Do you have a family member that became a dentist? Did you study dentistry? Do you have a fascination with teeth? Do you have a best friend or somebody in that, you know, regard or in your neighborhood? No, no. Do you know any dentists? No, no. So, well, let's, let's think about this for a minute then. How on earth, why are they hanging up on you? Because you, you've got no... You've got no history here. You've got no reason to be in this space other than I think they have lots of money and they'll give some to me. That's not a good foundation to build a business on. No, not really. So this idea of looking externally and saying, where where in the market, you know, can I, that, that secret, you know, enclave in the market. Oh, there's one right there where I can make a fortune. I'm going to look under enough rocks and I'll find the gold. Is Is not a way to start a business. The way to start a business is inside to be, be internally motivated. What are, what are my passions? What did my life history tell me? What did my childhood tell me? What did my education tell me? Much like your interview with me is all about, is looking at my personal history so I know where that's guiding me. How did, so I need to, re, I need to reflect that back at you. How did your past history end, let, let you decide where you ended up now? So my past history was, first of all, being exposed to this idea, wow, is you can create something called a business. Yeah. You don't have to work for at a very young age. My dad quit. No, but you picked. supposed you, but to be the great picked, job. So that's the beginning of it right there. You that picked idea coaches. Of, I'm just curious how you picked coaches. So coaches came out of, out of it, it became an evolution, really, because pre-internet days, there really wasn't a lot. I don't even, a coach was somebody who taught you how to shoot a hockey puck or throw mm. a football. Yeah. Tennis. So, so my initial journey into coaching was really in, in the consulting field mm. is working with, with businesses who were struggling with high interest rates and high fuel prices and their market shrinking and family businesses in particular, mm. uh, who were struggling with intergenerational conflict and passing the torch and all of those things that I had experience with and personal history around so that over the years morphed and then as coaching became more prevalent it became more apparent to me that that's what i was doing mm. it, it is interesting and like you in a way that kind of it, it kind of birthed itself for you, you moved towards it didn't you in that respect yes yeah. so we tend to and and this is where a lot of People will tend to, the telltale sign of this is like the dentist story. When somebody, when I interview somebody for the first time and I find out that whatever they're going after is not related to them in any way whatsoever, or they're denying their personal history. I'll give you another example. A fellow came and he wanted to be a thought leader and he wanted to coach executives. And he was C-suite executives in big corporations in America. And as we got into his personal history, I learned that he had a tremendous history in insurance. He became as a, an insurance salesman. He won multiple awards. He worked his way up. He, he ran divisions. He did trainings and everything. And yet he was denying all that personal history. Hmm. So we, we changed, shifted the focus and said, why on earth would you deny all of this life history, all of this experience when you've got so much to give? So we shifted his business to focusing instead of C-suite executives in corporate America to people in the leadership positions in the insurance industry. Who would be delighted to, to work with someone who had that, that history. Yes. And, and why not make it easier on yourself? You mm -hmm. know the language, you know the vernacular, you know mm -hmm. the, the way that people act and behave and that your, your life history is a gift. It's given you that, that gift throughout, and how can we leverage that and build upon that as opposed mm -hmm. to denying it? Mm -hmm. So that for me is, is what I always come back to is what has my life taught me? Who are the mentors? Who are the teachers? Who are the people that I've come across through? Who are the coaches that I came across early in my life that had a significant impact on me that now make me want to share that journey? with others hmm so look 
we're going to come to the we're coming to the end of our time together, and then it's been yes. a, it's, been, it's been an enjoyable journey listening to your, your your reflections and how how your life has planned out. Is there anything you want to add that we haven't we haven't touched on or things that what you know what would the big takeaway you want to give people before we before we say now? I would say the big takeaway is, and and this is specifically to coaches is there's a lot of shiny objects out there. There's a mm. lot of temptation. I would suggest to you that almost everything you see is is a temptation that's going to lead you down the wrong path <laughs> um, because it's it's leading you to believe that there's a quick fix that, again, you're going to chase that, you know, that rainbow, that shiny object, when instead what you want to do is kind of refocus and look at what am I trying to accomplish here? What are, what, what, what are my gifts? What's my personal history leading me to? And because of that, who am I best suited to serve? Yes. These are not easy questions to answer. And and to be perfectly frank, this is going to sound very self-serving. I believe they're impossible to answer in isolation on one's own. So you need somebody to ask you questions. You need somebody to process you through that journey of discovery so that you can find out and discover what you know you don't know that you don't know and that's where where the light bulbs are going to go out so a lot of people rush out oh i want to be a coach i'm going to go get a coaching certification why you don't even know what you're doing it'd be like like somebody going um i'm going to be a mechanic so i'm going to go out and get licensed as I don't know. There's a course at the college that teaches people how to fix airplanes. I'm going to become an aircraft mechanic when they spent their whole life fixing cars, antique cars and working with their dad and their granddad mm -hmm. or other people on how to do this. And all of a sudden they find themselves with a, with a mechanics license to fix airplanes that they have no interest in. I, you're right. It's definitely easier working with someone to do this sort of stuff. And, and, and also I know it's possible to do it if you're dedicated using journaling and and various books and things if, if you if you're that sort of person that can focus yes. and do the work it's very possible to do without but at the end of the day always down the line somewhere you will need to test it and yes. it's best to test it with someone yeah we, with i them. call it living in and, and even with all our journeying journaling and everything else one there's a time frame to that mm. that is very long trust me, I've gone through it many times myself, is it's very long. And one of the things I've always come back to, and I've, I've had mentors and coaches from the time of my car accident. I mean, that from when it wasn't in vogue, uh, when you didn't tell people that you were working with somebody. Think of these days, even therapy is becoming socially acceptable. But therapists, coaches, people who can enlighten you, help you draw out what's in you, is a way to really shorten the learning curve to accelerate your growth dramatically because at a certain point in time i call it living in fantasy land when you're it, it's your fantasy and it's, if you never validate it if you never take then you're always living in fantasy yeah so the same thing in business we can think that we've got the best service the best product in the world i love it when people come in and they say well i'm working on my course so well how many people have you taken through it no one okay so what do you mean you're working on it? Well, I've rewritten it 15 times. Hmm. Why would you do that? You're you're living in fantasy land because you're rewriting it for yourself, not for anyone else. So yeah. take iteration number one and try and take somebody through that. Yeah, absolutely. And then validate what you've done. Oh, wow. You'll learn more from taking one person through that first iteration than, and you'll learn nothing from rewriting it 15 times. No, it's fascinating that one. I mean, I mean, there was a, I mean, there was the marketers used, used, I mean, at the, at the dawn of internet marketing, people used to actually put questionnaires and things out and see what problem arose. And then they'd write a course the night before. Yeah. Which is and one then, of the and, smartest and, and then, things. And then just measure do. what happened. Okay. Well, well, we'll improve it <laughs> next <Yeah>. time. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the, so that first mover advantage, it would be called in the business environment or whatever, but learning to move, there's a book, um, uh, ready, fire, aim. The idea is the faster you can get something into the marketplace, the better. Yeah, minimum the viable product. The most difficult clients that I find, the slowest progress are those who have been working on their course or their program forever. Yeah. 
typically we throw that out and we start with a draft. Yeah. And then the first thing you want to do is take that draft and get somebody to go through it with you. Yeah. That's where you're going to learn because the validation only comes from being outside of yourself. You yeah. have to get that feedback loop coming in before you even know if you've got something that people want. So yes, and the, those guys were smart. They just throw out a survey, try and satisfy that need, see what the value of it was in the marketplace, see if they actually could satisfy that demand. Well, these were the days when you could get massive amounts of leads and things from you know, social media and stuff when it was easy to put that sort of stuff. Nowadays, it's a bit more difficult. So doing market research, I'm not going to go into it length and teach a lesson here or anything, no. but you can do market research to validate your assumptions in with about 15 to $20. Hmm. So the idea of throwing out free surveys and hoping that you're going to collect all kinds of data without putting any money into it is, is I would suggest that's a really long, hard, and sometimes impossible route to take because people are become numb to it. Yeah. But there are ways and techniques where you can start to use paid advertising in very small chunks of money to validate assumptions. So that's a great way to do research. It's been wonderful to talk to you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. So how would people get in touch if they choose to? Thank you so much, Paul. And I just want to um, take a moment to affirm you and just really let you know how much I appreciate the conversation. I know you and I could go on for hours, uh, even though we've just met. Uh, we seem to be kindred spirits. But I, I just want to take a moment to really acknowledge your questions, your your five questions. Um, and and everybody needs to be, by the way, you know, read about this, read about these questions and think about them, journal about them, um, because Paul is right on the money in terms of where you need to begin, is you need to begin with your questions. You asked me where does one start? answer to these five questions, Yes. You pretty much got your life sorted. Yeah. And if from there are that, gaps, you build there are your gaps, then you need then you, then you know where the gaps are. Yeah, you know where the gaps are and that's that's the foundation to build your business on those questions. So I just want to I want to make sure that I I yeah. really hit home on this. Um you, you can get in touch my name is Mark Canty. Yep. M A R K, Mark with a K and the last name is with a K as well. K A N T Y. You can find me on LinkedIn just Search for Mark Canty and connect with me. Reach out to me. You can also go to my website, releasedynamics.net. All those links will be on the on the show notes and at the website, lifepassionandbusiness.com. So we'll make sure all those links are well there. So LinkedIn would be you know a great place to connect where we can chat and I can get to know a little bit more about you. And I, uh, So that would be a terrific way for us to connect as well. So thank you. Thank you. Well, Mark, it's been a lovely to have a conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, and all the best the rest of your day. Thank you. Same to you. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Mark Canty. Now, if you'd like to find Mark, he is not difficult to find. He's all over Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. And he has his own website, which is releasedynamics.net. So all of those links to those sites will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Next week, our series on leadership takes us onto a nuclear submarine and we learn what life in that environment can teach us about leadership. That'll be next week, so make sure you are following this podcast so as not to miss out. Anyway, in the meantime, do check out the website lifepassionandbusiness.com and while you are there... Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion, a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means, that is the path to a good life. Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time. Certainly any time that I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey. Because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought. Because, you know, your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, 
do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions ebook and worksheets. Now this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery and it's at the amazing price of just $12.99. So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.